Entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know that idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why is it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you won't get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. laugh. The doctor is now in. Oh yes, it is. Game number three, for sure today, right? No rain. Keep the rain away in Philly. Game three tonight, finally. This really kills me. You know, you got all this mojo going. You don't have this in any other sports championship game where you get weather delay, rain outs, where you lose days, and you lose momentum. But at any rate, we won't look at the negative. We'll look at the positive. Oh, wait a minute. It is Terrible Tuesday, so I guess we do have to look at the negative, right? All right. I'm looking at Numchuck. So there you go. <laughs> he just gave me the Justin Verlander sign. Justin Verlander. Giving the bird to the Philly fans. All right. Glad to have you with us here on this Terrible Tuesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Jam-packed show today. We will take you live to Philadelphia. Bob Nightingale will join us. Live from the field or the press box, wherever he may be. That'll be coming up next hour, and we'll uh, get the vibe from Philly. You know those fans going crazy. It's been, wow, a long time. What, 2008 since they've hosted a World Series. All right, so uh, we'll talk to Bob Nightingale. We'll have him on today. Chris Bazio will join us, the former pitcher and the pitching coach. We'll do that with him today. We'll get Boz's thoughts about the pitching matchup here for game three and four and five because the Phillies are doing it again. They are changing their rotation up, so we'll dive into all that with the author of a no-no, Chris Bazio, and, of course, a World Series championship ring as a pitching coach for the Cubs back in 2016. So we've got plenty of World Series to talk about uh, as well. And then uh, we'll get you caught up to date on everything else that's happening NFL-wise. And, uh, yeah, we've got that. Terrible Tuesday takes. But you know where we're going to start the show today? We are going. It is terrible, so yeah. This is true. All right. Do we have her walkout music? Do we have her entrance music? Because, again, now, our next guest has big-timed us quite a bit recently. No, she hasn't. I know, I'm just joking. Because she's very, very busy with all of her duties there at the Las Vegas Review Journal. But she did say... Um, in order for me to come on, all right, I'm either going to require food or at least my own personal walkout song. So hopefully you got that for her, Numbshuck, as uh, we get ready to introduce the person who covers the Raiders like no other, whether it is from online, whether it's video, whether it's audio, whether it's radio, the one and only Heidi Fang. And I just don't believe that we have her because it's been like seems like it's been months. Heidi Fang, what's going on? Shake it up. Numbchuck, you didn't even get Heidi Fang on. Or she's playing with us. She's gonna say, oh, I'm grooving. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah. I was just waiting for my walkout music. <laughs> I had to feel it first. 
the anticipation. Yeah, you did. I, I gave it to you. That's just me trying to kill time while Numchuck tries to find it. Jeez, this guy's something else. No, I'm sorry. Actually, I lied. I had myself on mute. Of course you did. You had on mute. You're a mess, girl. You are a bona fide mess. You know that, don't you? I am. Yes. I mean, just just go ahead and give the listeners just an array of excuses or messes that that that, 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 that comes across your your life, your lifeline. I know one of them was a flat tire, and then my spare was flat, and I had to wait for a tow truck and a side of spaghetti bowl. Yeah. And you were like, can you come on today? It's like, yeah. <laughs> it is always something with you. Seriously. Always. I had a flight delayed the other day. There you go. When your show was on, I was trying to board or something, right? When the, uh, you had asked me to come on, I was like, uh, I'm going to be on a plane. <laughs> and then there was... Like another time, I don't, I don't, I had COVID yeah. a couple, like, that's about three and a half weeks ago now. I had COVID and I lost my voice really bad, actually. Mm. So I didn't even do my own show for two weeks, <laughs> like two weeks. And I'm lucky that they had me back. And then I'm lucky to have a job right now, seriously. Like, I laid <laughs> up with COVID, like, yeah, I did all my vaccines and everything. And, you know, it, it hit me so hard. Like everyone's like, oh, it's just like a little cold. No, maybe because I don't know how to stop. But finally, when you know health decides to make you stop, it puts you on full halt sometimes, right? So that's what happened. And then I can't remember the other time. Might have been I had to take my kid someplace because he got sick. He didn't get he didn't get the vid, but he got something else. Yeah, no, it's a, like, it's always oh. something. Like I said, I mean, uh, planes, trains, automobiles, but whatever he, it is, you're a mess. <laughs> office like there's always funny. <laughs> what you're not a, you're not a pediatrician's office today are you a lot of stuff happens between two o'clock and four o'clock tc i understand that girl i understand there's one of all right so frames of time so you know me i like to uh point the blame game here so do you know and if you don't want to throw them under the bus that's okay but did you pinpoint <laughs> where you got the vid no but i want to say nashville uh, I mean, it could have been anywhere, but I was in Nashville for the game there. And the only time, and this is what's really funny. So, you know, my colleagues, Adam Hill and Ed Graney, they were on the trip as well. Yes. And out of the three of us, I was the only one wearing a mask in most of the vicinities that were highly populated. <laughs> and they kept cracking jokes at me like, hey, we don't have to wear a mask anymore, you know. <laughs> like. Yeah, but I do have um, parents who have, um, you know, some issues, so I always try to be careful thinking about what I might bring back to my parents, right? So I said, you know what, I can't do that. I'm afraid. And and they were just, like, laughing at me on the plane, you know, because I have, I'm playing. I have a mask. They're like, nobody else has a mask on the plane anymore. And, I'm just, and so, like, this one lady starts talking to me because it was her first time on a plane, and she was super nervous and scared and stuff, and, Maybe she was a super spreader. I don't know. But she, she she asked me to take my mask off and talk to her because she couldn't understand and she needed to be comforted and all this stuff. So I started talking to the lady. And then Ed's like, this because Ed was on the other side of her because she was the middle seat. No one wants the middle seat. So I was the window in Ed's aisle. And then she says, and they were like, yeah, maybe it was that super spreader lady trying to get comfort from you <laughs> about the flight. <laughs> she was really nervous. So I was like, look, it's all good. You know, it's like, you ever see a movie say anything after the first five minutes and there's no baby crying, you're okay. 
<laughs> well, here's the thing, though. With, with those two guys you're traveling with, you know, you got you got to pick some better hygiene guys. Those guys are not good hygiene guys. They're not. I, I can't comment on yeah, that. Yeah. I've never no, really noticed. No, what you, what, no, what you really wanted to say showered. was, what you really wanted to say was, I really can't disagree. That's what you really wanted to say. No, no, no. I never say anything negative about my two coworkers. Wait a minute. You just like said, that, say anything. Now you just said, you know, we're talking about the movie, say anything, right? Now you're saying we yeah. can't say anything. Make up your mind. Oh, uh, no. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Of course. (laughs) And they got your back. No question about it. All right. Mm. She is Heidi Fang. And there there she is. You never know what you're going to get with Heidi Fang here. Numchuck, you just love playing the songs. I love this song, too. So this guy, he's just saying, when are you going to have Heidi back on? I said, well, it's not like... We're not trying, <laughs> just so he could play this song. That's it. I'm so excited. Thank you, <laughs> That's it. See, she doesn't get any. Kind of, she doesn't get this kind of love anywhere else. I mean, that's a fact, no, Jack. No, I don't. That's good. All right. It feels good. My heart is complete again. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I had an airplane story myself, as you know, the other day coming from Houston, and that was ridiculous. Or going to Houston, that was ridiculous as well, too. You talk about people on a plane. How do you get on a plane and you don't know which airport you're going to? And you, you <laughs> and, and how do you get on a plane? You know, you go through the whole thing with the boarding pass. Beep, beep, beep. How do they let a person on the plane when they're not going to that destination? That screwed me up as a 25-minute delay. Every seat sold out. There's a guy standing in the back. Uh, Can I have my seat? Sorry, sir. There are no seats. What are we talking about? Somebody isn't supposed to be here, so we have to do a roll call. (laughs) We had to do a roll call. It was ridiculous. Meanwhile, we know there's weather in Houston. You experienced it going to New Orleans. I experienced it going to game one of the World Series 10 minutes before we're supposed to land in Houston. It's a pilot comes on and says, excuse me, uh, we are now diverting to Corpus Christi. Uh, Bad news. We're going to Corpus Christi. Yeah. For two hours, I sat in a runway. I thought I was done. No way in the world I'm going to make the World Series, the first pitch. Yeah. And uh, after two hours on on a runway and some uh, mad dashing through an airport and a Lyft driver who spoke no English, who was from Cuba, uh, I had to bribe him to go about 80 miles an hour uh, on side streets. I made it, Heidi Fang. How much did I, you pay for 80 miles an hour? I mean, <laughs> I almost paid my life. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's uh, awesome. But it was, uh, it was going 80 miles an hour. What kind of car was it? it? A, he had. That's a good question. You know, I just jumped in this car. <laughs> what was it? That's a good. It was an SUV. It was a nice SUV. You can look at your history. And oh yeah, I can look it, at my it'll history. It'll say right. what kind of car and, it was. And, and, and this guy who spoke no English and didn't understand that it was Game One of the World Series. So I had to say Yuli Guriel, and he goes, "Oh, Yuli, Yuli, yeah, yeah, you, Yuli's playing right now. Go fast, go fast. Oh, Yuli, Yuli." Yeah, and all of a sudden, boom, all of a sudden we started flying. But I just, I, and this guy had a smile on his face. He had no idea what I was saying. I had no idea what he was saying. He just smile, smile, smile. You know, uh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it, it was like, a, you know, I referenced the movie yesterday, Heidi, and I, you're kind of like me. You love these kind of quirky movies, but I'm going to throw one at you. If you saw this, then I'll love you more than I even love you. Uh, Quick Change. Do you remember the Bill Murray movie Quick Change? 
Yeah. You do? Okay. Taxi driver, duck costume, clown. There's a chicken costume. There you go. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I was going through this yesterday, you know, talking about the, the, the Day of the Dead, and there's that scene when they're going, uh, working their way to JFK, and these guys yeah. are, yeah, all that stuff. But uh, uh, my driver reminded me of Bluff Toomey. Huh? Huh? Bluff Toomey. And you know who played <laughs> that guy? That was Monk. The guy who played Monk. Oh, Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub, right. And he just had this smile on his face, and he's riding the bus, honk, honk. And that was my driver. That was my guy from Cuba. Okay. So anyway. Okay. All right. So anyway. Sounds like a fun time. Fun time. Elton John tonight. Are you down? Let's play some Elton John. Today, we're celebrating uh, Elton John tonight at Allegiant Stadium on a Tuesday night. So. It is Bu- huge. Bucket it is huge list. That Elton John is playing here. Now, do you think you can, you know, to get the RJ to give you, a, you know, a, a press pass so you can go cover Elton John? I mean, you know, with I'm your Zoom. I'm waiting for my personal invitation from the newly crowned king. Oh, really? uh, to have me over to Buckingham Palace <laughs> to see him. I think it's coming. You think so? I think. Yeah, I, I, I'd rather wait out, hold, hold out for Buckingham Palace. Hmm. See if they allow me in there, <laughs> and. And, and watch it that way. I heard it was going to be given a private audience. Wow. <laughs> I'm kidding. I heard you said it big time. But no, I, <laughs> I am not going to Elton John. I'm not covering that I uh, the concert over there at Allegiant. But it is huge. It's really, I think, did he say this is his, because I think I've heard this before. Well, is I mean, this time really his last Yeah, they time? said the farewell tour. And, uh, you know, I correlate this to the sign that they have at McDonald's right now. They say the McRib, it's the farewell tour. So when I went in there the other day, I said, what is this, Elton John? And the guy looked at me like I had three heads. He had no idea what I was wait, talking wait, about. Wait, 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 yes. wait. The McRib is going away? The McRib is uh, breaking news. I, I'm, I know. It makes me sick. The McRib, which we only get forever? once every two years, it says farewell tour. They say it's going I'm away. I don't know. No, I'm going to night and getting Mc. They're just trying to sell McRibs, aren't they? I guess it's exactly what they're oh trying God. to do. They're yeah, tricking me. They're tr- I'm not going to fall for it. Yeah, I know. But then if I don't fall for it, then I'm going to be really sad that I didn't have McRib. Is that how you feel about Elton John? Yeah, I, I, well, no, more about the McRib with the Elton John. I'm so excited. I love my <laughs> McRib. But you had this. Tr- you had this issue last time. Yeah, last year oh. the McRib was horrible. Yeah. Well, I had a bad okay. one. You had, you had, a, no, you had a couple. I did. You tried. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, I said that I was going to get off oh. the McRib. Yeah. But then, but the the two or three that I've had so far since they've been back here the last couple of weeks, been pretty good. Gotta say, they're pretty good. Pretty, 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 oh, pretty good. I don't know. What am I going to do? I, I, well, I've been really debating what I'm doing for dinner because I got this <laughs> other thing defrosting, but I don't need to eat it. Yeah, of course not. If there's McRibs to be had. See, you like the McRib. And why is this that people like the McRib and they like the monster tacos when you know darn well they're just hor- horrific for you, but for some reason they taste pretty good? It's like nostalgia. Yeah. It's like watching those movies that really don't have up-to-date CGI, but they used <laughs> to be really cool. Right. And so you just watch it for nostalgia's sake. Mm-hmm. Maybe Tron can fit in that category. I do say full disclosure, okay, I got to got to get to my sponsors right now. I, I, I did have, uh, while I was racing to get to the studio here in time, I had to get my jalapeno pepper jack burger at Freddy's. That's what your dinner should be, Heidi Fang. The jalapeno pepper jack. Yeah. I don't know. I, she might have passed out. I have no idea. No. no. I, mute, mute. I have actually a cat now, and so the cat is here. And it just jumped on, like, me. 
And it's trying to claim me as though I am an oak. Why do we have her on? <laughs> we don't talk sports. Okay, you want to talk what? <laughs> Your listeners have turned off. The of course show. they have. It's, it's just us. Just... It's a private conversation right now. Cats, McRib, Tron, <laughs> airplanes, COVID. So I'm over it. That's... That's what somebody said like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, exactly. All right. You want to talk about what? About the Raiders? Yeah, the Raiders. Okay, 24 yeah, nil. Oh, I'm ready. All right, here we go. I'm so ready. All right, well, this is going to take a, a, a quick U-turn again. All right. Let so, me change up my set up and put on my professional face. All right, no, 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 not yet, because we're going to talk about <laughs> food, food in New Orleans. Did you get yourself a oh, po' no. boy? What'd you get? What'd you have? Well, okay, let's not talk about the stadium food at New Orleans. But yeah. let's talk about the outside food in New Orleans. That's right. The stadium food was not having it. It was not. No, no. Food. I was there for the Final Four, and I refused to eat the stadium food. So I made sure that, that I so ate, that I ate before and after. Exactly. Yeah. We get spoiled here at Allegiant with like roast and things. It, yeah. Barbecue, lobster, macaroni, cheese, barbecue, right. brisket. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, over there you got some weird like sloppy Joe macaroni and cheese. <laughs> But if you knew you knew if you ate it, you were gonna have to leave the field after the first quarter. <laughs> Y'all feel me? Okay, I, yeah, so I, I feel you, and I, I, yeah, I don't. Okay. Wanna, I don't want to see you. So, yeah. So, so I ended up going with the approach of outside food. I have. I'm lucky to have three friends of mine that are locals now that took me around for my food tastings. I was able to go to a place called Morning Call. Off Canal. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Delicious beignets. Yes. And gumbo. Yes. Got the beignets and the gumbo in there. All right. I went to some place on Bourbon Street, but I can remember the name of it if you ask me right now. I just, a lot of Bourbon Street is like over sensory thing, you know, where you get heightened and you just like, oh, and and then you just lose track of names of things. You're like, you know, the place with the fuzzy green light. Right, 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 right. So did you go into a place that has like kind of a high-top old wooden bar? Because they're all like that. Uh, they got the screens, and then they got a DJ going and all that kind of stuff. I went to about four of those places. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we walked out and didn't eat there. We just looked at it. Right. And then we went. <laughs> right. I, you know what I did, Heidi? I went in there and had a hurricane because I never had a hurricane before. So everybody said, oh, you have uh-huh. to have a hurricane. So I had a hurricane uh-huh. at this place. And I, like you, I can't remember the name of the place. Yeah. But, that's, yes. That's what Client, clientele. <laughs> outstanding, though. I can tell you that. There it is. All right. Let's talk about on-the-field yeah, stuff. Let's talk about the yeah, uh, one one word to describe Sunday's 24 nothing shellacking the Raiders, what's the one word? I think Derek Carr said it best. Embarrassing. Embarrassing's good. I thought, you know, you might go with with something else, you know. You know? Pathetic is another one. Pathetic's good. Humiliating, deflating, uh, uh, listless, all lifeless. All the, mm-hmm. Right? Right? I mean, yeah. th- that was terrible. I mean, it was downright terrible when Andy Dalton goes for 229 yards. Alvin Kamara gets his first three touchdowns. That's kind of sounds strange, but it's true. Gets his first three touchdowns of the season. Carr passes for what 101 yards, a pick, sacked four times. Oh, by the way, the Raiders had what 38 yards running the football, a total of 183. Yeah, that was dreadful. I want to know what was your reaction while this whole thing was unfolding? Well, 
At first, I thought they were going to come out after halftime and have some adjustments, right? They're obviously flat, and you can't even use that they traveled across the you know country early time thing <clears throat> as an excuse. You just can't. Um, not in this kind of an effort. That kind of an effort is something where you're looking for a leader to come about that team and yell somebody, rile them up, put whatever kind of firecrackers you need to under the team to get them going. But it wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And then you go and look at the fact that they didn't pass midfield until late in the fourth quarter. That can't happen. That just cannot happen. This is a two and five team that on paper should be much, much better than they are. Much better than they are. Uh, okay, we say that, but really? Because what we're seeing now, yeah, Heidi. Really. Well, here's the deal. What we're seeing now is that defensively, they don't have the personnel. I mean, you've got Max Crosby, but again, you could say, you know. Chandler Jones, but really, he really he hasn't done much. There are other guys, and we know that secondary is a sieve, but it just seems like they do not have the personnel to compete at the highest level. They can't shut down top receivers, and they can't shut down top running backs. I mean, that's my opinion here. I think that the narrative needs to change that you know that they don't have the personnel, and then when you don't have Darren Waller, we'll get to him here in a minute. Uh, and just you know, in Hunter Renfro, he's been MIA. I just it just looks like this team is is just lacking personnel. And then when you have those key injuries, I mean, it's just it, it, impossible to beat good teams. Here's the thing: when you talk about the defense, right? First of all, Nate Hobbs is gone. Yep. So there's nobody really on his talent level that's in the secondary, uh, especially in cornerbacks. Rocky Sin hasn't panned out. Yeah, um, he was somebody that was a question mark to me coming in in the season because he's kind of more of a two, a solid two. And you think, okay, well, if you're going to need guys on the outside and then the clock corner, or you know, where are you going to move Nate Hobbs? How's that going to work? Anthony Averett, does he come in? Where does he fit in in this puzzle? You know, I, obviously they couldn't do much with the people that left from the Gus Bradley time like, like that were on those short, you know, one-year contracts like a Casey Hayward or whatever. You know, you. But you knew you were going to lose those guys. So you do what you can to bring in new talent. And what I think they really need to do is look towards the draft again for help there because when you have um, these one-year contracts, it's not going to help you create any type of consistency or culture back there. And, you know, you can't keep paying guys on one-year contracts when your contracts when your contracts and then have them and, you know, expect that it's going to pan out year to year with your secondary. What's really lacking, in my opinion, is needing a coverage linebacker. You need to have somebody in there that can handle coverage, playing tight ends, being able to, you know, hang back and and find where they can help stop, like you were talking about, the, the sieve and the run against some of these running backs that really do flourish when they go against the Raiders that maybe haven't flourished all season. Um, you know, they, of course, did face some really solid talent like Austin Eckler and Damian Pierce who are going to do what they do regardless of who's defending. There's just some guys, even if they gave them two yards and one run, eventually they're just, their motor picks up and these guys are going to break away from you. That's just, you know, part of the game sometimes, and they're really talented. But overall, you think 
to the the coverage. You need a coverage linebacker. There's no pass rush. There is no pass rush. Max Crosby is trying to handle double teams coming around edge all by himself, and there's there's no help from anywhere. The interior is not pushing the way that they should. Chandler Jones is not living up to his contract, and you got Max Crosby trying to be everybody at once. He's 11 different people from one day to the next. Max Crosby. That's my TED Talk on the defense. I was going to say, what the heck was that? You know that song? I'm a million different people from one day to the next. I can change. Forget it, hey, forget writing. Forget bo, bo, forget bo, it's singing. Bo. It's singing for you. That's it. Or stand up comedy. Or maybe both. Song that yeah. was in a movie called Cruel Intentions. I remember it at the end. Well, you remember that at the end. Look at see, I love it. Heidi Fang with the soundtrack. She just starts rifting the soundtrack. I can't soundtrack. tell you who sings it. I can't tell you who sings it. I don't know. That's we, it. Well, of course it, it is. We play the request here. I mean, I mean, we are better than Shazam here. Oh. There's no question, as you well know. You drop a lyric, boom, there it is. (laughs) You know know what I was doing. (laughs) This is the, this is not only the sports show, this is probably more the music show than the sports show. This is the entertainment show. This is the show. So good. That's it. As as Jerry and George said, this is the show. That's the show. This is the show. There it is. This is the show. Boom. Last thing. What do you think of Josh McDaniels and his connectivity to the players? Is there that? Then there's the scheme factor. Just wrap it all into one. And I mean, we've come on. We've had seven games to decipher here. What what do you think? Well, (laughs) I mean, there needs to be more from him, I think, in terms of getting the fire under these guys. I don't know what happens in practice because as much as I'm at the facility, I can't be a part of practice, right? But I I need to hear him sound like there's a fire lit under him. I think Raider Nation wants that too, and I could be completely wrong. No, Maybe you're right. Fine with you're, you're right. Mile manner to ten. No, no, because you. It, it's just the the guys on the sideline as well too. It just seems like they're not engaged. You hear fans say all the time, "Hey, it looks like no one has any fire. Nobody has any emotion." Well, again, that yeah. starts at the top. It does. You could be a, mm-hmm. a, a good X and O guy, scheme guys, but then again, what we're seeing here, maybe we're. You know, what we're see- we're seeing the same Josh McDaniel that we saw in Denver. At least that's what I'm seeing. And I know short sample size, but you hit the nail on the head, Heidi. You said it yourself. With the talent, this team is supposed to be better than they are. So th- this is a- this is how coaches get fired when they are underperforming, underachieving. Not that it's going to happen. Yeah. Not, I'm not saying that, but I'm just I don't saying. Think he's get fired. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not saying that. Not now. No, not no, now. not now, yeah. and, and not even probably ne- until after next year. But again, it's just it's not comforting to to see the body language and the lack of, of fire and emotion, and again, just a lot of the, the fundamentals that aren't happening as well. Right, and the tackling, for instance. Yes, big fundamentals. fundamentals. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Right. And I know that's more on Patrick Graham, but you're the head coach, too. you got to go in and tell these guys in the locker room, like, come on, what was that? You know, I'm being very light and gentle. I'm yes. not the fired up 
sound of what I can really do when I get fired up. I understand. But I'm on radio, and I might forget myself, and I wouldn't want to do that. Well, you, what you're saying is you might lose yourself? You might you yeah. might lose it, Eminem? That's a soundtrack. There it is. That one. Yeah, see how quick Numbchuck is on that one. Uh, when's Darren Waller getting back, back on the field? What's the deal? Come on. What's what, what, what? Darren Waller. Darren Waller. When's he coming yeah. back? Last time yeah. I saw him, you know, we're smoking cigars together at the parade. You know? I don't know. I, <laughs> he, what's going on? I would say this week. I think they were, you know, he tried to go. He went out on the um, early rest before the game started, and he was trying to go. And then he went back for evaluation after he went on it with the medical staff, and they decided that he was not ready to go. Now, Darren Waller is a competitor, okay? And I know a lot of people are losing faith on him, and they shouldn't. Darren Waller, when he is healthy, is one of the top tight ends in the NFL. And he hasn't lost it. He isn't struggling. He's going through an injury. That's it. And I think once he's back, you're going to feel him. Yeah, I hope, yeah. no, no, yeah, no one say he's just it's just too bad that he's had to deal with you know this this injury for such a long time. All right, I would anticipate he'd be back in Jacksonville. All right, Heidi, we'll go let you lose yourself. We'll let you just put the hair down, pump up the jams. That's it. You don't need to pump up any jams. You don't need no little iPod or or whatever. You just pump iPod. up this show. Yeah, iPod. You like that old school? Anymore. I don't know. But it, you just need to pump up this show, Heidi Fang, and you'll be good while you're walking and you're dancing and you're prancing and you're moving and you're grooving. You can just lose yourself like this and like that. I'm going to hit you over with a baseball bat. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, old rabbit. I'm scared. That's how you fire up. I need an adult. <laughs> It was it was Halloween. It was Halloween. Yeah, there you go. Give me a Buster rap. Oh, she used my name too. That's cool. We gotta use that as a promo. One more time, Heidi. Take us to the break, Heidi Fang. Once in a lifetime. <laughs> there it is. I don't know where we were. Uh, right, who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't duty. matter. She's the rap battle master, Heidi Fang. I could I could get better bars than that. I was just cool. I, I know. Lost a, 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 a lost in the moment. Very She's nice. Not losing chance to blow. <laughs> uh, this segment, as always, just off the rails. Oh, Jesus. All right. We'll let you go, girl. Have yourself a good day wherever you're going. Pediatrician, gas station, tire pumping, whatever you're doing out there, okay? (laughs) Enjoy. Stay healthy. I look forward to seeing you uh, uh, next week at Allegiant Stadium. How's that? All right, next week, Allegiant. Uh, not this week. That's what I said. Next, next week. week, yeah. Enjoy Jacksonville. So, like, two weeks. All right. All right, girl. We'll talk right. to you later. Appreciate you. Later. Ah! <sighs> I, I don't even know what to say. It's just typical. There was so much net. I have no idea. <laughs> That's how we do it. Chris Bosio, we talk about pump-up songs with him, right? Oh, yeah, we're going to the World Series, baby. Philadelphia. Houston, game three tonight. We'll talk to Boz. Then we'll go out to Citizens Bank Stadium. Coming up next hour with Bob Nightingale. Plus, terrible Tuesday takes. Don't you dare go anywhere.
Now, back to more of Las Vegas' favorite sports madman, the Dr. T.C. Martin. Well, John, Elton John in Vegas tonight. What do you think of that? That's bucket list material. I'm going. I'm looking forward to that. Probably one of my all-time favorite songs from Elton John is this one right here. And it's so apropos as our next guest checks in now. Who knows where? I think somewhere in the great state of Wisconsin, driving down I-41, the former pitching coach, the former pitcher, Chris Bosio. What's going on, my man? Not too much, man. I went, went down to Chicago today. On my way to pick my son up from work. You know, it'd be nice to be sitting behind a desk doing a radio show, but people got to do stuff. You know? Yeah, if you only knew, my friend. If you only knew. I, I was like uh, rolling. Uh, I, I, I can't. I shouldn't say. I mean, how fast I was driving to going to get here today. It was. You were doing a safe speed. Yeah, I was doing a safe speed. That was. It was crazy. But uh, yeah. All right, uh, boss. Uh, favorite Elton John song. Go. Pinball wizard. Oh, pinball wizard. Let's go. We got to play pinball wizard for boss today. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Yeah. How were you, pinball? I bet you you dominated the uh, uh, the uh, the sky jump machine. That, that was me over at the Big Dip in Folsom. You ever go to Big Dip in Folsom after uh, after you guys got your butt kicked when you come to Folsom and you go or to the A and W root beer there? And right across from A and W was Big Dip. I dominated that 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 sky jump machine. Free game after free game, boss. You know how many times I've been to that A and W? How many? That's because we never lost. Yeah. <laughs> it was my drum roll. Uh, a little bit slow. A little bit slow. Uh, my guys are good. They're good. Okay, man. Good. All right. What do you think, man? Uh, game number three tonight. We're finally going to get this thing played, uh, hopefully. We, we should. Weather should be okay. But uh, we get it going tonight. I got to I gotta talk to you. Let's first recap games one and two. What were your thoughts? Man, kind of like we talked about, uh, Verlander jumping out. I mean, I hate to say it, but I was kind of waiting for it to implode. It did. Philly uh, showed that, I mean, they're, they're never out of it when you got the long ball like they have. Two guys we talked about. We talked about the lefties on both clubs, Tucker and Alvarez and, and Schwarber and, and Harper. I, I still think it lies within those guys. And I'm not surprised that some of the Houston guys are starting to pick it up in the bigger the bigger moment, um, especially our second baseman and the first baseman. They got they got to they got to do something. I'm I'm really curious to see how McCullers is going to do. He's not a straight baller. You're right. You know he's got a he's got a wrinkle in it. <laughs> he's got and, a lot of wrinkles, uh, man. He's the junker of all junkers, baby. You know the curve, the slider, and that sinker. Just don't forget he's got that sinker too, man. Well, I, you know, I know what it does to sinker ballers. Tends to straighten out. Hopefully, uh, you know, not too much. But I mean, this is look. You're talking 
last at bat again in the World Series, whether it's Houston or Philly. Philly undefeated. Houston, the most dominant team in baseball, front to back, and one of the best road teams as well. And I'm just, again, we talked about it before, about McCullers going third. I would have went in a different direction um, just because of how the, the young kids pitched up to this point. But I know you got Verlander waiting in the wings, possibly in game five. So you got to win tonight no matter what because if Philly wins tonight, man, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough no matter what. But, you know, playing teams that are undefeated at home, they don't need momentum. They have it going in. So Phil, you know, and that's what Houston's got to do. They got Houston's got to start fast. Yeah, like they have been. They got to they got to play fast. They can't wait. If they play fast, you, you're going to get Philly swinging bigger than normal. That's when McCullers is going to be at his best. But if he's ball one, ball two, and he's playing from behind, you know it's it's you better hope both teams put up a touchdown. And that's probably what you're looking at tonight. I love the experience with McCullers. You know, again, we talk about you know the breaking ball, the curveball, slider. You know what what he offers. But for me, Boz, I think this is a great matchup for McCullers against some free swingers with the Phillies. And Suarez, for me, this is this is why the Astros are the big play tonight because I'm not a Suarez guy at all. I mean, you know, th- this guy got raked last time he faced the Astros in that final regular season. Uh, you know, weekend series where Philly was life and death. They needed to win to even get in the playoffs. And Suarez got lit up like a Christmas tree. He gave up three homers in that game to Pena, to Tucker, to Maldonado. Uh, he only lasted three innings, six runs, seven hits. Like I said, two walks, the three homers. But here's my main question for you. And I don't understand what Rob Thompson, the manager of the Phillies, has been doing here. Now, with Syndergaard... We've. I understand the guy has been injured, coming off injury, but he just doesn't. He just seems so out of place. I mean, this guy comes in middle relief sometimes. He comes into the end of games. He's been starting. He was going to start game three, and they go, "Well, we're only going to give him maybe three or four innings," and he hasn't been good. He goes from the Mets over to the Angels, then he comes over here to to Philly, and it just seems like he's displaced, and he just doesn't seem to know where he fits. And I and I go back to that post-game celebration after they beat the Padres, and he's kind of like walking around, and he's just like kind of by himself and, you know, saying, yeah, this feels kind of weird, you know. I'm still, you know, thinking you know, like Mets and then Angels, and I'm here, and, and he doesn't know where he fits in. And I think Suarez is the same type of guy. Suarez appeared in game one, okay, Friday night, and he pitched two-thirds of an inning out of the pen. He was the fourth Philly pitcher that Thompson went to. Came into the seventh inning. Then he came in and he got the save in game five of the NLCS versus San Diego. He started game three of that series, went five innings. He started game one of the NLDS against Atlanta. Only lasted three innings, wasn't very good. Uh, Again, I mentioned what he did against Houston. What is Rob Thompson doing with these guys? Bullpen, you don't have a quote-unquote closer. Alvarado's at the end. Alvarado's in the middle. Eflin's in the middle. He's, uh, I mean, I, I have no idea what he's doing. And you go through your two aces, and Houston blows both those guys up. If I'm Houston, I'm salivating when I see Ranger Suarez right now because, as you know, what Houston does against lefties. 
But the the question here is, what is Thompson doing with his pitching staff? Help me out. I think this is one of those front office sat down with the analytics guys, and they're going to use him as kind of an opener. I don't. I don't. I'm not expecting him to get more than seven outs, maybe eight outs, maybe less than that if he runs into trouble. What else can they do? If if they if they roll the rotation over right away and just stick him in the pen, he's basically a pull bullpen guy anyway. So their thinking is, so he's in the bullpen. Let's just start him. He's got experience starting. Rather than throwing one of these other guys in there, and we're not going to throw one of our horses because we need this gap. Even though we've two of the last three days have been off, we need the rest. This one lines Philadelphia up great the rest of the way. It, this is not a break by any means for the Houston Astros. The only thing this does for Houston is it gets their legs a little fresher. I think, you know? I think the Astros are salivating to see a left-hander, any left-hander, but especially Suarez. And it got 10-7 on the year, ERA at 3-6-5. I, I, I don't know, Boz. I just think this guy is, is very, very hittable. And I, and I think, you know, if they, they toasted Nola. They toasted Wheeler. And those were their two, unquote, aces. They're toasting those guys. They can toast anybody here. And, and here's the question, too, is Wheeler. Okay, what is up with Wheeler? Because now Wheeler isn't even going to go until game five because Thompson says, well, now we're going to go – you know, with uh, Nola back in game four, your game one starter. Oh, Syndergaard's going to get game five, and then Wheeler in game six. If he is your ace and your best pitcher, okay, why? You know, this is the time of year, as you know better than anybody, where you want you overuse your ace. I mean, you don't you don't like look for reasons not to pitch your ace and give him another day's rest and another day's rest. Heck, we've played two games. We already had two days rest already. I mean, it's 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 crazy, and now you're going to save this guy or push him back where he's not going to start till game six. Doesn't that tell you something's wrong with Wheeler? Not as, as much as they want to give him the extra day, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm not looking a lot into it. I'm, You know, they're not at Phillies. As much as they need the time off, they're not in a great spot, and you've, you know, you've hammered mm-hmm. – the spots, they know their weaknesses. They know they know who's going to the mound. They know what's lurking. They're, they're one matchup move away in that bullpen to having a nightmare. Right. You walk in the second or third inning, you might have bases loaded with the lefty coming up, and God knows what Thompson's going to do. I mean, he might, he might throw his lefty in in the second or third inning. That's exactly what Houston needs. You got to you got to get a couple of those guys and get them out of the game, because once you start, you know, getting through that bullpen, you know, it's slim pickings. That Robertson's not fooling anybody anymore. Right. Exactly. Right. Nobody is. He's not fooling yeah. anybody. No. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and their their best yeah their best option right now is to throw a guy that I don't know might be able to sneak under the radar. I think that's why they're doing it. 
They're just, grasping. Yeah, it just seems they're grasping is it, what they are. Yeah, you're right, and, and, and that's exactly <laughs> what it is because people want to say, "Oh, matchups, analytics." I, I'm throwing that out the window. I mean, again, there's no, and you know this better than anybody. I mean, I don't recall ever seeing you. You know, do things like this where, I mean, you, you know who your starters are. You know who your middle relievers are. You know who your, your setup guy and your hold guy is. You know who your closer is. I mean, you know that. You cannot point to any facet here with, with uh, Philadelphia. I mean, we know who their two starters are. But everyone else is just like, you might as well throw their name out of, out of a hat. It's like Sandlot here. I mean, this guy could close one day. He could be pitching the fourth inning one uh, the next game. He'd be the eighth inning the next time. I mean, this is insane. I've never seen anything like it, really, <laughs> especially in a World Series. I mean, I mean, don't. I mean, you know better than anybody, Boz. Don't pitchers need to have some type of a semblance here? I mean, so none of these guys know know where they fit in. And we know I, a lot I of them are psychos too, right? <laughs> Come on. Any, anybody, it's anybody in any role. Yeah. You know, the only downside is that the bullpen's not connected to the clubhouse in Philadelphia. Right. That's the only downside. And if it was closer, they'd probably make more moves. Mm-hmm. I, they would. Let me ask you, man, what, you have, what, have, what have you seen with Verlander thus far? I, I think Verlander's fine. I, I, I think he got a little bit too cute. In certain counts, and you know, look, Philly, they hunt certain pitches. They hit three pitches off him that did damage. He didn't throw that bad. It's just that it just keeps happening in the big moment. You know, I, I look for him to bounce back in a big way. In, in those certain counts, it's not going to be predictable like it was last time. I think that's what the difference you're going to see, because. He's so good, and he's so used to being able to throw that little cutter or the high up-and-away fastball, but you miss by one ball, that's all it takes for a double or a homer, especially in Houston. Mm-hmm. You know, but you got the big boy, I believe, in game five, no matter what. Yeah, no, I agree right? with you. I, and people are, you know, they're making too much of this. Oh, he's 0-6 in the postseason. I mean, I mean, come on. I, I was there. He's rolling. In game one, those first three innings, just just mowing him down, and like I said, he hung a couple curveballs, a couple bad pitches there. But for people to to think or even insinuate that Verlander is is done, I mean, that, they're sadly mistaken because you know, uh, just like I do, this guy never has usually back to back bad outings. This guy he makes the adjustments, he studies like no 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 one else, takes it to heart. I think he's going to be sharp as can be in game five. Well, you just don't bet against those guys. That's why they're Hall of Famers. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know? Chris I mean, Bozio joins us. Boz talking a little <laughs> World Series here. Uh, what's the best way to pitch to these Philly hitters, specifically Harper, Real Amuto, and Hoskins? And then, of course, your boy, Shorburn. I want you to elaborate on him because you know he's in that leadoff spot. Uh, 46 homers on the year. You know this guy very, very well. Just talk a little bit about the best way to pitch to each of those guys. There's an L. If you look at the lefty, there's an L that's up and in, stays all the way in off the plate, then it goes across the bottom of the zone to down and away. Anything above that L is damage for, for Harper and Schwarber, so you got to stay 
you got to get them reaching. You got to get to the end of the bat. How do you do that? You go in off the plate. You go sliders and cutters, not back foot, front foot, because the back foot, if the ball travels too far, Schwarber can hook that ball for a homer better than anybody I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Anybody. Mm-hmm. So, and, uh, you know, he's, he's awesome when it comes to that. Harper has learned how to go up and away as good as anybody we've ever seen. So you got to be very careful. And I, I told you this last time we talked about the Phillies. Harper will not beat me when the game's on the line. Anybody else, I could stomach it, but he's, he's too good. And it goes back to that playoff game. We played against him and we walked him eight times. You have to do it if you want to beat him, because I'm, I'm telling you, if you get hard-headed, and Houston got a little bullheaded on him, I thought, you cannot let him go with an open base opposite field. you got to pitch around him and make the next guy beat you. You just can't do it. Mm-hmm. He's built for those moments. If Houston does that, Houston will win the series. If they get stubborn, look for Harper to step up big again. You know, we saw both Verlander and Valdez, I mean, challenge him, and they were throwing cheese by the guy. Then, you know, again, we know these capable, and you're right. I mean, it could be just be one swing of the bat, but you could just see that they're they're going at him, and they're saying, hey, you know, we're, 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 we're going to live and die with our best guys throwing their best stuff against you. And, you know, whether – if that's if that's smart or not, but that that seems to be the approach that we've seen for the first two games, right? Yeah, and one of their best pitchers, I think, was a little surprised when he took ninety five away into the left field bleachers for a game winner. Yeah. <laughs> all, it, all it takes is the pitching coach or the pitcher to go through that moment, and then from that point on, you will learn from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. We learned about it. From Murphy. Right. When Murphy was with the Mets, guy got three home runs against us, cost us chance on a team that was better than the 16 team. And we learned so hard, what did we do the very next year? Man, won it. <laughs> we gave up three home runs to Kiki Hernandez. <laughs> yeah. So it, it happens. And, um, uh, I don't know. For me, still, I, I you got to be very careful with Harper. You can pitch around him. Just be smart. Obviously, an open base. Mr. Harper, you're going to go fill first base for me. <laughs> All right, boss. Give me the winner tonight. Who, who, who gets it? Houston. You got it. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yep. All right. Move, move, it, move it to tomorrow. Who you got tomorrow? You got Javier and Nola tomorrow. Who you got? I love Javier. I think Javier is going to step up big. I wish, you know, I don't know if it's a pitching coach. I mean, I would have thrown him today, to be honest with you. I know. Yeah. But I, I am not the uh, the manager nor the pitching coach. I am the, <laughs> the armchair quarterback. <laughs> so we, we get to second-guess everything and talk about it the next day. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, like I said, Dusty's going with colors. And like Dusty said, he goes, hey – he goes. He's got the experience, and he goes. Frankly, he deserves it. And that that and so and you gotta love Dusty for that. And you know that's why we love Dusty. That's why players love Dusty because he's gonna he's gonna believe in his in his guys. 
and uh, he's going to hand the ball to McCullers and say, Lance, go get it tonight. Hopefully it works out. Well, it's a, it's a great answer by a Hall of Fame guy. You know, you always want to throw your guys out there who have been in the trenches before, so should be fun. All right, brother, we're going to send you out a little pinball wizard, baby, taking you back to your teenage days. There you go, boss. Thanks, DC. Take care, my man. Enjoy the drive, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, bud. Chris Bosio, no-hitter back in the day with the Seattle Mariners, great pitching coach, Brewers, Rays, and, of course, the Cubs 2016. Got himself a World Series ring. And what's he doing now? He's teaching kids the art of pitching, traveling, hanging out in Wisconsin. All right, so there we go. Driving down I-41. Made that drive numerous times. What am I numerous? Hundreds of times. All right. Little Elton John today celebrating that Sir Elton John, one of the greatest of all time, the Legion Stadium tonight. Looking forward to that. We come back. We'll take you to Philadelphia. Bob Nightingale will join us live from Philly. And terrible Tuesday takes. Jeremy Pena has set the stage here for Jordan Alvarez, one of the most feared hitters in the game. Representing the winning run for the Astros. And Alvarez belts it! Deep to right field! Gets it goodbye! Unbelievable! The Astros a walk-off win! Jordan Alvarez, a walk-off three-run homer! And the Astros stun the Mariners in game one of the division series! Incredible! Entertainment capital of the world. Center cut curveball, but it was nasty. It's the TC Martin Show. Verlander deals a 3-2. And a cold strike three. TC Martin. And now the Astros with a runner at first for Alex Bregman. And Bregman sends one deep in the left center field. This is way back. And it is gone. Alex Bregman gets the Astros off the deck. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Verlander with strikeout number nine. The doctor is now in. Hour number two, getting ready for the World Series game three tonight. The Astros and the Phillies tied at one game apiece. The rain out yesterday, but we will have baseball tonight. And the fans in Philadelphia going crazy. Can hardly wait. 503 first pitch Pacific time 803 on the Eastern Seaboard. Lance McCullers going for the Astros tonight. Ranger Suarez for Philly. I'm telling you, at, I don't want anyone to tell me different. At pitching staff is a mess for the Philadelphia Phillies. All right, Chris Bosio joined us last hour. That will be up on the website a little bit later on if you missed that at tcmartinshow.com. Also, our Raiders recap up there from Sunday. Look ahead to Sunday in Jacksonville. That's up there. And our interview with the one and only Mattress Mac is on the homepage as well, too. So check that out. Mattress Mac, 75 million reasons why he is rooting for the Houston Astros. Me and Mac. That's right, baby. We've got our future tickets on the Strohs. And after tonight, one of these two teams will be two games away from a World Series championship all right bob nightingale will join us from philadelphia at the bottom of the hour 
and uh, we'll get uh, the latest uh, weather update from Bob, and uh, he will he's on the scene there. It does a fantastic job, of course, USA Today. Go check out all of Bob's stuff there at usatoday.com. So uh, we'll talk to Bob, and he'll give us the vibe from Philly. Can I play a message from Mr. Mattress Mac? It's it's including breaking news. Sure. Okay. All right. Here's uh, my good friend, uh, Mattress Mac. First rookie shorts up ever to win a Golden Glove. Go Strohs! Congratulations, Jeremy Pena, the first rookie shorts up ever to win a Golden Glove. Go Strohs! <laughs> That's my man, Mattress Mac. All right. Uh, the breaking news is that the American League winners. For the Rawlings Gold Glove Award have been announced, and the Astros have two of those people. Jerry Pena, the shortstop, the rookie shortstop for the Astros, Gold Glover, and Kyle Tucker, the Astros' right fielder, also Gold Glover. Rounding out the rest of the Gold Glove uh, winners, the pitcher, Shane Bieber from Cleveland, Jose Trevino, the Yankees' rookie catcher, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base for the Toronto Blue Jays, Andres Jimenez from Cleveland Guardians at second base. We mentioned Pena for the Astros at short. And then Ramon Urias from the White Sox at third base. And uh, the outfield, we have uh, Stephen Kwan and Miles Straw. Miles Straw, former Houston Astro. Both of those outfielders with the Cleveland Guardians. And, of course, Kyle Tucker for the Astros. So two Astros get gold gloves. Uh, on the National League side, uh, the catcher, tonight's game for the Phillies, JT Realmuto wins uh, another gold glove. Christian Walker is the first base recipient for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Brendan Rogers, the rookie second baseman from the Colorado Rockies. Dansby Swanson, the shortstop from the Braves. Nolan Arenado from the St. Louis Cardinals at third base. And then your outfielders are Ian Happ of the Cubs, Trent Grisham from the Padres, Mookie Betts from the Dodgers, and your pitcher, Gold Glove Award winner, Max Fried for the Braves. And then Brendan Donovan of the Cardinals. There you go. All right. So they're your Gold Glove Award winners announced by Major League Baseball. All right. So more World Series talk coming at the bottom of the hour right now. You know what day it is and what time it is. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Okay, news earlier today came out of Brooklyn that the Nets have fired Steve Nash as their head coach. So Steve Nash, two seasons, had a 2-5 and five start this year. Uh, Brooklyn underperforming once again. Uh, Steve Nash's team has made the playoffs each of the last two seasons, but advanced only past the first round once. That was it. Steve Nash fired by the Brooklyn Nets. Now, is that the terrible part? I hate to see anybody lose their job, but Steve Nash was put in a situation that he wasn't going to be successful with. How about this quote? This is the terrible part from GM Sean Marks. And I still understand, and I've said this time and time again, how Sean Marks got a GM job. I remember he was a mediocre player at Cal. I don't know what this guy really knows about player personnel, what he knows about anything. But he's got the job in Brooklyn. 
Here's this quote. We want to thank Steve for everything he brought to our franchise over the past two-plus seasons. Since becoming head coach, Steve was faced with a number of unprecedented challenges, and we are sincerely grateful for his leadership, patience, and humility throughout his tenure. Personally, this was an immensely difficult decision. However, after much deliberation and evaluation of how the season has begun, we agreed that a change is necessary at this time. That's what Sean Mark said. Here's why it's an immensely difficult decision for Sean Marks. Because he likes Steve Nash. Steve Nash is a friend of his. Okay, Both grew up in the Bay Area. They know each other very, very well. But that's exactly why I hired him, too. The guy should have never been hired. Why hire him? This is on Sean Marks. This is on the Brooklyn Nets and this dysfunctional franchise. Why would you hire a guy like Steve Nash in the first place? Great guy, great player, kind of quiet, but zero head coaching experience. None, nil, nine, zippo. And you bring him in to this dysfunctional situation in Brooklyn? Kevin Durant? Kyrie Irving joined the team? James Harden joins the team. Now you got Ben Simmons joining the team. They ship Harden off. Nightmare situation. It's like the Houston Astros going back after the sign-stealing scandal. All right, A.J. Hinch, get out of here. Should have never been a manager in the first place. Let players, let everyone run all over them. You need a veteran. What do they do? They get Dusty Baker to clean things up, right? Oh, not only clean them up, but teach them how to win, how to be humble, and get the job done, all right, year in and year out. When you have these kind of personalities like a Kyrie Irving can decide to play or not to play at any point in time, you better have a veteran coach. Some coach is going to lay down the law. Stephen Nash wasn't laying down nothing. Sean Marks wasn't laying down nothing. Brooklyn ownership are clueless. They just got tons of money. It's an embarrassment to even think of why they even hired Steve Nash in the first place. And you bring the poor guy in to what? Oh, you think he's going to succeed? The first sign of controversy, what's he going to do? He has had no head coaching experience, no player personnel experience. And then you think he's going to tell guys like Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, go take a hike? Kyrie Irving, basically the state of New York. And the city of New York had to tell him to go take a hike. You're not going to play because you're not vaccinated. No one had the balls to talk to this guy. Talk about inmates running the asylum. That's exactly what you got. I mean, the Nets are a mess. Kevin Durant, shame on you. Should have stayed in Golden State. You know that. He knows it. Trying to win. You're not going to win nothing. And you start off 2-5. and five. LeBron James, same thing with you. And those that clown show in Los Angeles, same thing. Winless, lose their first four games, just like the Sacramento Kings. Clueless organizations. Clueless. And who's running the show? Look what kind of coaches you've had in Los Angeles last few years. What kind of GM do you have? Now, yeah, it makes me sick. It really makes me sick. Because you put people in positions and you actually think that, what? Oh, he's going to be a good puppet. You're not going to win with puppets. You're not going to win with rookie head coaches, rookie managers. It doesn't work like that. No, you need experience. Major League Baseball, pay experience managers. 
Look at the White Sox. What are they hiring? Garbage. What are the Marlins hiring? Garbage. Because they don't value managers. And it's becoming that way more and more with football, too. Kevin Stefanski? What did he ever do to get a head coaching job? Todd Bowles? Are you kidding me? The list goes on and on. NBA? Steve Nash? Now, who's the front runner? Yudoka's going to come back? Are you kidding me? Didn't this guy embarrass your franchise enough? You want Yudoka to come in and, and, and be the coach of the Brooklyn Nets? Come on. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Now, he may be qualified. Okay? He may be qualified as a coach. But you're, you're just bringing more of a nightmare situation. And it's going to be a clown show. It's going to be a circus show. He got fired by the Boston Celtics for off-the-court behavior. You want to bring him to Brooklyn for that. Unbelievable. All right. So, yeah. Brooklyn Nets, they're a mess, along with the Lakers, and it's all tied into bad GMs, bad front office, hiring the wrong coaches. College football, speaking of bad coaches and bad hires, Auburn fires Brian Harson. Two seasons at Auburn, 9-12, and 12, amazingly pathetic. Pathetic. Nine wins? Auburn usually has two or three gimmies, at least two or three, four gimmies every year. He wins nine and loses 12 in two-plus seasons? Here is the terrible part. Brian Harson was not fit to be a head coach in the SEC coming from Boise State. Yeah, Boise State, nice program. Not the SEC. How is he expected to recruit the SEC? He's got no ties back there. That's terrible. For them to hire Brian Harson two years ago, that was a joke. Why? He didn't win anything at Boise State. I mean, okay. Mount West? Really? Here's the worst part, Auburn. Shame on you. Auburn owes this ham and egger $15 million. They're going to have to pay him $15 million. And guess what? It has to be paid in the next 30 days. Kudos, Brian Harson. You can't coach worth a lick. You can't recruit worth a lick. But you've hired a good lawyer. He's got a great lawyer for that. <laughs> Holy cow. $15 million and must be paid within 30 days. Why do you hire Brian Harson? Why do you reach from a guy from Boise State? Unbelievable. And then... Why on earth do you give him a six-year deal worth $31.5 million from Boise State? People in the SEC were laughing two years ago, laughing at this hire. And now Auburn has turned their program backwards for the next three, four, five years. This season's a throwaway, right? So that means this year's recruiting class is a throwaway. You hope you're going to get some people out of the transfer portal. Good luck with that. But remember, Harson had problems off the field too. He lost numerous players who didn't want to play for him because of the way he ran these guys in the ground. A lot of off-the-field stuff. That's what led to his firing. But Auburn's paying for it now. Six-year, $31.5 million deal. $15 million to go bye-bye for Brian Harson. How bad was Auburn? They've been bad ever since he got here. But last year, they went to the Birmingham Bowl. 
Auburn doesn't go to the Birmingham Bowl. Auburn goes to the Sugar Bowl. Auburn goes to New Year's Day games. On an offseason, when you go 9-3, you go to the Outback Bowl, the Florida Citrus Bowl. You don't go to the Birmingham Bowl and get drill-pressed by Houston. That's what happened last year. This year, lost to Penn State, 41-12. Penn State's nothing special. Got blasted by Georgia, 42-10. Oh, and last Saturday, final writing on the wall, Arkansas comes into your home field and blasts you 41-27. So goodbye, Brian Harson. Egg on the face for Auburn for paying this guy and hiring this guy from the beginning. All right, more college football. Michigan State played Michigan last weekend. You see that game? Michigan, they rolled all over Sparty. This thing isn't, isn't even a, um, a rivalry anymore. Fight breaks out in the tunnel after the game. All right, after Michigan rolls Michigan State. Michigan State players not too happy. What happens? They attack. Two Wolverine players causing a concussion and cuts to the face to the two players. Now, the Michigan State players were using not only their fists, but using their helmets to bash these Michigan players. Tank Brown, Kari Crump, Angelo Gross, and Zion Young have been suspended indefinitely by Michigan State until the investigation by the school's law enforcement and the Big Ten Conference is completed. Now, Jim Harbaugh said, wait a minute. I want I want criminal charges pressed against these guys. So Harbaugh is asking that criminal charges be levied against the four Michigan State players. And they should. The game is over. You're embarrassed. Your team stinks. Your team has stunk for the last few years. All right? And you lose to Michigan. It's a college football game. Go in the tunnel. Go get on the bus. Go have some pizza. Call it a night. No one's even going to remember what happened in that game. You were expected to lose, and you got drilled. All right? But to start fighting in the tunnel, not even during the course of the game, but during the tunnel, while guys have their helmets off, and you take your helmet off, and you're bashing a Michigan player? Yeah. Suspension, criminal charges. Don't want to see these guys for the rest of the season. Now, today, Michigan State suspended four more players. Jacoby uh, Jacoby Winman, Malcolm Jones, Justin White, and Brandon Wright are now make the total of eight Michigan State players suspended for this tunnel incident. You knew there were just more than these four. But just uh, harrowing that a couple players from Michigan get concussed and have cuts all over their face because numbskulls from Michigan State are mad because they lost. Well, Michigan beat you because they're the better team. So continue to follow this story. All right, more fighting. This time in the NFL. How about Sunday night's game between Green Bay and Buffalo? Now, this really wasn't fighting. These were just two juvenile delinquents yelling and screaming at each other, being morons. Jair Alexander from the Packers, the cornerback, and Stefan Diggs. Well, these two had words before the game when, uh, you know, and th- this kind of goes back to when Diggs played with the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, Packers, Vikings, we know that rivalry and everything, right? Well, yeah. So they started talking trash going back two years ago. Well, it started in the pregame warmups of the Sunday night football game between Green Bay and Buffalo. Then it escalated during the game. 
Diggs tried adding to it when he scored the Bills' second touchdown of the night, through, although his teammates wanted him to celebrate instead of join at Alexander. But you know how it is. Me first. Stefan Diggs said, no, no, no. I'm going right at Alexander. We score a touchdown. Sorry, fellas. I'm not going to party and celebrate with you. No. I'm going to go right at Alexander. So Alexander also had some extracurricular tackling after Diggs fell to the end zone with the ball in his hand after the 26-yard touchdown, even though no flags were thrown on the play. So here's Diggs' comment afterwards. He goes, I don't give a blank, F word, who started it. I finished it. I got the win. I don't deal with moral victories. I don't deal with one-on-one battles because it's not a one-on-one game. It's a team effort, and I got a dub. I feel like at the end of the day, there were no moral victories. What? Your team won the game! Moral victories? What are you... This is what I'm talking about. The mentality of these athletes today. It's on full display here. I don't give a F who started. I finished it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the win. I finished it. Moral victories. What moral... What are you talking about? You got the win. Moral victories are for losers. That's always usually brought up when a team loses. Diggs didn't even know if he won or lost because he was so consumed with Jair Alexander. He wanted to fight him. He wanted to argue with him. He wanted to talk trash. I don't deal with moral victories. I don't deal with one-on-one battles. What are you talking about? You escalated the one-on-one battle. You went after the guy before the game even started because you want the one-on-one battle. What the hell is wrong with these guys? It is so sickening. And this is what is turning sports upside down. The me first mentality. I'm telling you, people don't want to watch these goofballs. Oh, my God. John each other. Where are the flags on this? Late hit, no flags. Kick him out of games. Just goes to show you don't give a darn about the end result. Yeah, you got the dub, but I, I got Jair. I got him. It's a team effort. I got the dub. Then why don't you mention the team? Why don't you go celebrate with your team? If it's a team effort, go celebrate with your team after you score a touchdown. Alexander said that he did not know who started it, but swore he was the one that finished it. Alexander did have an interception in the game. Now, Diggs also said this after the game. He goes, it's the most talking that's ever been, that I've ever done with another team. Because I don't know why. (laughs) You know, we don't really do too much talking. You've seen us week in, week out. We just go in and try to get the job done. It happens this way sometimes. I don't care. No matter how a game approaches, I'm a leader of this football team. I'm going to continue to be a leader. I'm going to lead by example. And I'm not going to get pushed around by nobody. This guy talks out of both sides of his face. You're a leader? Man, if you're a leader, I don't want to follow you. And neither does any of the Buffalo Bills. No, Josh Allen is the leader, you ham hog. Josh Allen is the leader of that football team. Not Stefan Diggs. If I'm, man, if I'm, if I'm Josh Allen, I, I swear I would say, I'd think twice about throwing this clown the ball. <laughs> I'm going to continue to be... You're not a leader. Stop that nonsense. We don't talk much. That's all you do is talk. You did it in Minnesota. 
You do in Buffalo. Doesn't matter which team you're on, you're going to talk because you're a me first dude. Stefan Diggs. Crazy. I'm done with that story. <laughs> More. Seattle and the Giants played on Sunday, right? Mm. Now remember what I said. The Seattle played the Giants. The Seattle Seahawks were hosting the New York Giants. Had a little crazy little play down at the stretch as the Seahawks quarterback, Geno Smith, who's had a fantastic year, ran a scamper, basically got the first down to seal the game at the end. Pete Carroll was a little bit excited. He was jumping up and down, and he got a flag on the sideline. Now, I didn't come back to haunt the Seahawks. Remember I said the Seahawks. Pete Carroll is the coach of the Seahawks, right? So he's jumping up and down. They gave him a flag. Probably shouldn't give him a flag, but Pete came on the field a little bit, and the side judge ran into him, threw a flag. Well, they had to sort it all out. And referee Jerome Boger, who's done Super Bowls, who is one of the most respected officials, he decided to break it down and explain what happened. After the play was over, sideline interference. The coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners was in the restricted area. 15-yard penalty. After the fourth of this penalty, it will be first and 10. He said the Seattle Mariners. I believe he did, yeah. Okay. So what was worse, the block or the Mariners? I know. know you better than Jerome. Okay. Well. Seattle Mariners. Was that penalty on Scott's service? Oh, we don't have penalties in baseball, do we? Jerome Bogar. Maybe he's watching the Astros and the Mariners. Maybe he watched 18 innings a game, fell asleep, just woke up. I don't I have no idea. The Seattle Mariners. Please, one more time, Chuck with that. After the play was over, sideline interference. The coaching staff of the Seattle Mariners was in the restricted area. 15-yard penalty. After the fourth of this penalty, it will be first and 10. There it is. Uh, Jerome Bogart got it wrong. The Seattle Seahawks, not the Seattle Mariners. Oh, by the way, the Mariners did not play that day. The Seahawks did win. They beat the Giants. And the Seahawks played some good football. They're 5-3, and three, and guess who's leading? The, the West right now. The NFC West. The Seattle Seahawks. All right. Former Kansas City Chiefs assistant coach Britt Reed sentenced to three years in prison for drunk driving crash. You remember that happened going back last year. They injured five people, including one child severely. So uh, that came down today. Andy Reed's kid, Britt Reed, sentenced to three years in prison today for drunk driving. We knew this was going to come about. We remember when it happened you know, before the playoff game last year. So that news came down today. All right. <laughs> There it is. All right. That's your Terrible Tuesday Takes. Any Terrible Tuesday Takes, love to hear from you. Hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. We come back. We'll check in with Bob Nightingale. Hopefully he's done with his on-the-field duties. Heading up to the press box as we get ready for game number three tonight between the Astros and the Phillies World Series. Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin.
Sun in Las Vegas tonight at Allegiant Stadium. Looking forward to that. It's going to be fantastic. And a little Philadelphia freedom. Yeah. So we're playing some of our favorite Elton John songs. And we'll see Elton's farewell tour, how that happens tonight at Allegiant Stadium. Is it really the farewell tour? That's what I want to know. All right. want to remind you, Friday, Westgate, Las Vegas, our Friday home, as you well know, at the world-famous Superbook, Jay Cornegay, John Murray and Company. Always love being at the Westgate. So now that this World Series, we had another rain out yesterday. So now we've got game three tonight, game four tomorrow, game five now Thursday, travel day is Friday, and now six and seven will be Saturday and Sunday. It's messing up my travel plans here. I don't know what to do here. But there will be a show. Extend Friday. that extend that trip to Sunday. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm not here Monday? Is that what you're trying to say? Well, no. I'm just So you can see Game 7 if, Listen, you, if you need to. We don't even know if there's going to be a game. I'm, I'm, you know what? There's not even going to be a Game 7. There's going to be 5. There's not going to be a Game five. 7. There might not be a Game 6. So we'll see. All right. The guy who is on top of it right now, we go to live to Citizens Bank Ballpark in the city of brotherly love. A little Philadelphia freedom right there. Uh, one of his all-time favorite songs, as we know, Bob Nightingale does a fantastic job with USA Today covering the World Series like only he can. Bob, what's happening, my friend? Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. I'm good, good, man. It was great seeing you last weekend uh, there in Houston. And uh, you are, you're, you're, you're making the way there to Philly. And you had a little rain out yesterday, so hopefully you had plenty of time and plenty of notice to make some good dinner reservations last night. Well, still stuck in here. Still stuck here. It's about eight thirty-nine. Was able to catch up with our good friend for a couple adult beverages, and then went back to the hotel and had a few more. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, my friend. There you go. All right. See, you can always count on Bob. You know, to to get in touch with Dusty and, and, and have a couple cocktails there. So good stuff, man. Good stuff. So let me ask you, uh, food choices there. Uh, Philly or Houston? Who are you taking for the for the better food choices outside of the ballpark? Yeah, good question. I mean, I had a uh, real good Italian food that night. Uh, had a few steaks, uh, uh, steak cheesesteaks. Mm-hmm. Okay. For, uh, for lunch a couple days. Uh, but I have not had the big steak dinner like I do in uh, in Houston. So, right. Uh, yeah, but, but for yeah, great steak, uh, I'll still go the uh, the place in Houston. They can answer me. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, uh, yeah, great seeing you there, uh, Bob. Uh, what has been your takeaway uh, from games uh, one and two? Well, I thought yeah, in Philadelphia having their two big boys pitching, uh, the fact that Astros won one of those games. It's you know, advantage Astros. I know people say, oh, they split in Houston. Yeah, but it's a big drop after those two. The rain out, uh, you know, gives a uh, – it helps bridge a gap in the pitching matchups, you know, where it's for, particularly tonight with Rangers Suarez going instead of Noah Syndergaard. That's a big, uh, you know, big help for the uh, Phillies. You know, Houston State's the same the colors. Uh, I tell you what, I mean, I think, I think the Phillies have to win this game. Or I think it may only go five because there's a big pitching matchup difference uh, in games four and five. I'll take Verlander any day mm-hmm. in game five. He pitches much better in his second World Series starts than his first World Series starts. 
And not only that, Bob, but Verlander rarely has back-to-back shaky starts during the course of the regular season. We've seen that as well. I mean, there is one guy that will make adjustments. It is Justin Verlander, and we know that. I mean, that guy is is is, is studying, you know, the, the tape or the video, whatever you want to say after that last game, and he wants to come back. You know, stronger than ever. He know he, he knows he made a couple bad pitches and hung the curveball there on a couple occasions. And uh, I don't worry about Verlander at all. It, it, it cracks me up that people will sit there and start ripping Verlander, saying, "Well, he's 0-6 in the World Series. He doesn't have it anymore. He's there's ill effects of Tommy John surgery. That's nonsense. I mean, you've seen this guy like I've seen this guy a whole bunch of times. This guy, there is no drop off. I mean, as we've seen him go deeper in games, where does he hit the the, the gun? He hits 96, 97, 98, and, and we saw him do that even though he got pulled the other night. But bottom line is, I guarantee that he will come back stronger than ever in his second go-around uh, in Game 5. He will, and I think he's fired up about you know this and uh, this fact that you know, the fact that getting front and center. Like Dusty said, I go, I didn't even know that. You know, now everybody's talking about that. But you're right. I mean, he was doing a perfect game there, first day, uh, first 10 hitters. I was talking to a guy from uh, – Elias, in the back of the press box, he said, hey, if, if he's got this perfect game going to seventh innings, fish count gets up there. He said, you know Dusty Well, Does Dusty pull him? That's a no way. He left the nostalgia. There's no way Dusty Baker's going to pull Justin Berlander out of a you know, perfect game and no hitter. Obviously, you know, he hit a wall there. But uh, that's how much he was dominating was actually in people's minds, you know, that, hey, this guy's got a chance to do something special. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Bob Nightingale joins us live from Citizens Bank Park, where we're getting ready for Game 3 tonight between the Phillies and the Astros. Uh, Bob, give us the weather forecast. What's it going to be like tonight, and what are they saying for the for the next three nights, actually? Yeah, beautiful weather, uh, beautiful day today, and they made the right call. Uh, be, be real nice the next two days as well. So, yeah, weather won't be. And then, obviously, going to Houston, if it goes that far, mm-hmm. you know, retractable roofs. So, yeah, it should be uh, no weather delays at all. Uh, in Philadelphia. All right, you mentioned the pitching here. So tonight we got McCullers and Suarez, and I look at this matchup. I think it's great for the Astros because, you know, McCullers is a guy that has experience. We know that, and and I love what Dusty had to say. Dusty said, hey, man, this guy, he's a veteran, he's got experience, and he deserves to be here. I know a lot of people thought that, oh, maybe Javier, but remember, Javier just got pushed up in the last series because they want to give McCullers an extra day because he banged the elbow on the on the champagne bottle in the celebration after the division series. Uh, but the bottom line is, I mean, you know, McCullers kind of thrives in these type of games, and we've seen McCullers on the road before. And I think, you know, and you're there. Uh, you tell me, you know, I can just picture Lance saying right now, give me the ball. I can hardly wait for this. Bring on the forty-two or 45,000 rabid fans in Philly. Yeah, I mean, McCullers is a tough guy. I mean, he uh... – he loves the big moments. I mean, in a uh, big games, shoot, I'll put him among current players. I'll probably put him among the top five in baseball. Uh, pressure does not get to this young guy. So, yeah, he's been uh, fantastic. I mean, it's going to be loud here. It's going to be wild. I I think – I haven't seen it yet. I what the Philly fans are a little slow arriving today. In, uh, but I think this will be as intense an atmosphere as the Astros ever played in, you know, since the uh, scandal, you know, broke in spring of – 2020. Remember now, the Astros have never played in Philly since that happened. So uh, these fans are going to be all fired up. Yeah, I just I'm really curious uh, to get your take on on the the crowd aspect there in Philadelphia for these games. Uh, The thing that's got me a little 
mesmerized here is what Rob Thompson has been doing with his pitching decisions. I know you and I talked a little bit about this after game one, but it just continued, you know, in, in game two where you've got these – these pitching decisions with the starters and then even the relievers. I mean, we've seen, you know, guys like Alvarado. I mean, he's closing one night and he's pitching in the fifth inning the next night. Ranger Suarez, a guy who is, is starting tonight, he actually pitched on Friday night in game number one. And then you, you look at what uh, Suarez did, uh, you know, right after that. He, or rather before that, you go back to the last series. I mean, he came in and got the save in game five of the NLCS versus San Diego. He actually started game three, went five innings. Then he started game one against Atlanta. Wasn't very good, only lasted three innings, got hit pretty good. And then you look at what Suarez did his last regular season outing. That was against the Astros when Philly was playing for their playoff lives. And that was the 10-0 game where Verlander no hit them for five innings. And Suarez got lit up like a Christmas tree. Three innings, six earned runs, seven hits, three homers. Uh, uh, gave one uh, up to Pena, to Tucker, and Maldonado. I just think that the Astros are looking at Ranger Suarez and they're saying, hey, we're salivating. Give me this guy. And I think the Astros just normally salivate when they see left-handed pitching because I think the number is something like 42-12 and 12 during the course of the regular season they are against lefties. Yeah, and they've seen them. They uh, you know, beat them up early this year. So, yeah, I mean, they, uh, it's a lot easier to face someone when you've already seen them, which they have. So, no, I, I like the pitching matchup uh, you know, for the uh, – Right, for sure. What is what is Thompson doing though? I mean, I just I can't figure out. Again, it's Syndergaard last night. You get the Reno. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and go move Suarez up, which I thought he would do originally. And now you're going to go bring Nola back, who the Astros lit up in Game One. You're going to put him in, in in Game Four, and now you're going to go not Wheeler, your ace, but you're going to go now Syndergaard in Game Five. And then save Wheeler for six. I don't know if anybody's asked a question to Rob Thompson or not, Bob. But you know, is something wrong with Wheeler? Because you know, your ace, you want him to pitch more times than not in the World Series. You're not looking to give this guy more rest and and and, and keep pushing him back. Yeah, well, Zlosky really took a dive there in the uh, last start, game two, and uh, kind of hit a wall. And uh, I think he's still got a bad knee. When the injury list the bad knee before, yep. I think it's still bothering him. And uh, that's why they pushed him back. I mean, something's wrong there. You don't push a guy back like that. That's what I'll you know, go back to saying if, uh, if, if the Astros win tonight, I think they have a real chance to close this thing out of Philadelphia where they don't go back to Houston except for the break. All right. Bob Nightingale joins us from Citizens Bank Park. Uh, Astros and the Phillies game number three tonight as we uh, look forward to, the, to this. Uh, give us uh, your take about uh, the Astros, their, their mindset. They've been sitting there for a day. They're coming off that win. We know that you know, this team never flinches, and uh, you know, they take right after their manager. I mean, they, it's out by out. They're never looking ahead or whatever, and they know that they're going to face a, a rowdy crowd here tonight. What do you expect to see from the Astros? And talk a little bit about the bats of Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez who got going in this series. Yeah, I mean, uh, you talk about layoff, and the Astros only played nine games the month of October. Unbelievable. Right. You know, with all the uh, off days, you know, five before the uh, division series, then, you know, swept another, another uh, four days, five after the LCS. So, yeah, unbelievable. You know, two in a row here. So, yeah, least are used to it. Uh, you know, real encouraging sign. You know, baseball is so much confidence, or mental part, 
So the fact that Altuve had the big game there, Bregman is, you know, he's a star, and uh, he's another guy. It's like, okay, who do you want to play in the big moments in a World Series game? I'll put Bregman up there with anybody. Uh, they, they love that thing. If Guriel ever gets going, you know, it's, it's amazing the Astros are here when those guys were slumping so bad in the, uh, you know, no DH whatsoever. You know, I don't think we'll see Mancini again. Uh, you know, and here they are. Bob, what were your biggest takeaways from from games one and two on both sides? Uh, you know, the, I guess the one thing that jumped out was the uh, Phillies bullpen. We always talk about the Astros bullpen. Phillies bullpen was outstanding in uh, you know, that they're better than expected. The other thing stands out is that the Phillies defense, which has been a problem all year long in the, in the playoffs, hasn't really shown those ugly words yet. A little bit, but not much. So you keep waiting for a huge defensive flaw or, you know, uh, play come up in this series before, uh, before it's over defensively. And I can't believe the uh, Phillies bullpen will keep pitching like this. So that, you know, both were impressive. Uh, you know, the Astros are just, you know, I think just typical Astros. I mean, they, uh, the, the one thing you didn't count on was them just going cold turkey there, you know, after that third inning. In uh, in game one, or even the, with the Fox broadcasters are talking privately, that oh my God, what are we gonna do? This thing's gonna be a blowout. You know, could end up ten, or, ten nothing, twelve nothing, and they never, you know, they stopped hitting. Mm-hmm. So that was strange. And you know, game two was much more like an Astro team, but still, they never blew it away. You can't, you can't wait for them just to blow the game wide open, and you know that never happened. All right, Palm Nightingale uh, joins us. Get ready for game number three tonight. All right, looking ahead, my friend. What do you think happens tonight? Break it down for us. I'll go. Uh, I'll go Astros in a close one. I'll go uh, five four Astros. But I think I think this game's almost a flip of a coin. Uh, but yeah, I'll go. I said Astros. And if Astros win, I think it's a real possibility they they close this thing out. I think it's a must win for Phillies. Yeah, it is. You know, somebody's O's got to go, Bob, because we know the Phillies are five and O at home during the postseason. The Astros are three and O themselves on the road, so they're they're not scared by playing on the road. We know that. Yeah, it should be a, it should be a wild atmosphere. I mean, most fun part. So, uh, yeah, listeners are tuning in early and often. I I think the crowd will just be outrageous. Yeah. Uh, all right, my friend. Well, uh, you know, we've, uh, we're looking at the lineups here tonight, and you mentioned no Mancini, no Diaz. Hen- Dusty's going with Hensley tonight. And I think that's kind of interesting because after the game, uh, uh, game two, uh, sitting there with our good friend Mattress Mac, and Mac is going and goes, he's asking me, he goes, what do you do about the DH situation? And I'm saying, well, you know, I like Hensley better than I like Diaz, but neither guy's doing it. And Mac says to me, he goes, I think they should go with Hensley. And I just thought about that for a second. Well, I don't know if he, if Dusty would go with Hensley, but Dusty went with Hensley tonight. So, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, the other two guys are slumping so bad. Yeah. I mean, what are they? One for thirty-five or something? And I, yeah. I don't think you'd have Mancini taking her up bat. He looks terrible. Uh, so, no, I think it's like you know what? This guy played well for me. Let's, let's give him a try. Why not? Maybe strike school. But the other two guys have just been uh, so bad. I agree with you. I mean, you can't get any worse. It's like the Astros have got zero production from the D8 spot. And, uh, again, they're, they're still right there. And, again, they built two five-run leads in both games, uh, you know, without uh, getting any production from the designated hitter. All right, brother, we'll let you go. Uh, enjoy the game tonight, my friend. I expect some good food picks, okay? 
I'm sorry. I, I I said enjoy the game, but I do expect some good Philadelphia food picks from you. All right. I will. I will. When I see you, uh, when I see you back in Houston over the weekend, I'll I'll give you my tips. Hey, Bob. <laughs> I don't think we're meeting again because I don't think I'm agreeing with you. I think this thing's end in five. We not we might not see each other in Houston. We may not. That was my original prediction. We'll see. Then now, we'll, then we'll uh, just have to see you in this, Vegas. Yeah, this game tonight, this game tonight will depend. That's true. We'll have to see you in Vegas, my friend. How's that? But yeah, if if uh, if it goes six, then I'll see you there. All right, brother. Appreciate the time as always. Thank you very much. Bob Nightingale joins us from Philadelphia at Citizens Bank Park. All right, uh, Astros a dollar twenty-five favorite tonight, and uh, we'll give you the lineups here tonight. The Astros will start uh, a familiar nine, except minus one. Jose Altuve will lead off. Play second base. Jeremy Pena, the gold glover, bats second at shortstop. Jordan Alvarez bats third in left field. It'll be Alex Bregman batting cleanup at third base. I feel like a PA announcer or, you know, play-by-play announcer. Here we go. You like that. Uh, Kyle Tucker bats fifth. Could be the MVP playing right field. Yuli Gurriel, my fantastic uh, lift driver in Houston, bats sixth at first base. And tonight, David Hensley, the rookie. This guy's got tremendous upside. He is the DH. Could he be the spark for the Astros hitting the DH role in the seven hole? Chaz McCormick bats eighth in center field. And Martin Maldonado bats ninth. This is not Chicago Stadium. Oh, it is. (laughs) And on the mound tonight, Lance McCullers. And the starting lineups for your Philadelphia Phillies. Your boy Kyle Schwarber is in left field. Leading off, Reese Hopkins, the pride of Sacramento State University, at first base. Sounds weird. Don't see too many people from Sac State, do you? JT Realamuto, the catcher, bats third. Bryce Harper, Las Vegas' very own, the DH, batting cleanup. Nick Castellanos in right field, batting fifth. Alex Baum, the third baseman, will bat sixth. Las Vegas' very own UNLV's, Bryson Stott, bats seventh at shortstop. Gene Segura bats eighth at second base. Brandon Marsh bats ninth in center field. And uh, your pitcher is Ranger Suarez tonight. NWC. And now making his way down the aisle. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Seven and a half the total tonight. Astros $1.25 favorite. All right. Good deal. All right, appreciate Bob Nightingale giving us the vibe from Philadelphia. It's weird. He said that... The Philly fans aren't in the park yet. We're a little over an hour away from first pitch, and they say Philly fans are a little slow to get in the park. You know, they were amped up. They wanted to play last night, despite the rain. But, uh, yeah, they've been waiting for this for a long time. They had playoff games, as we know, this year. and It's the first time since 2011, but they got ousted by the Cardinals in that round. But you go back to 2008, the J-Roll teams, right? Jimmy Rollins and company. Yeah, 2008. That's when they were last year. All right. Astros tonight. There you go. Game number four tomorrow. We'll uh, talk about that on uh, tomorrow's show a little bit more in depth. All right. Good stuff there. All right. So um, we gave you the Gold Glove Award winners for Major League Baseball as they announced that uh, earlier today. And uh, Kyle Tucker and Jeremy Pena Get gold gloves for the uh, America League. JT Rilamuto, the gold glove catcher for the National League. So 
I like Rio Lodomuto. He's he, he's good. He's been on my fantasy team the last couple of years. There you go. But tonight, the big question is, you know, the pitching matchups. All right. And uh, it's McCullers against Suarez. So, yep, first pitch, 5-0-3 tonight, game three. Series tied, one game apiece, your 2022 World Series. All right. NFL trade deadline today. That's right. And the Raiders? Silence. Raiders haven't made any moves regarding the trade deadlines, but uh, we do have some transactions uh, to talk about today. The Chicago Bears send Roquan Smith to the Baltimore Ravens. How about that? All right? So, so the Bears making some moves here. So right when you think, okay, what are the Bears trying to do? Sending Roquan Smith, their best linebacker, to the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens need some defensive help. That's going to help them big time. The Bears also collect as well. Chase Claypool comes over the pride of Notre Dame. Sorry, Marco. Comes over from Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, they're in cell mode. There's some about Claypool. I just don't think that Tomlin's really liked a lot of his receivers. You know, got rid of Juju Smith-Schuster last year. Chase Claypool, maybe another guy. You know, we know what he thinks of Antonio Brown. I I think that Mike Tomlin is just tired of the diva receivers. So Chase Claypool goes from Pittsburgh to the Bears. Detroit sends TJ Hawkinson, their tight end, to their rival. It's hard to say that they're a rival just because they're in the same division because really the Lions really don't have any rivals, do they? TJ Hawkinson, very good tight end, goes to the Minnesota Vikings. So that's interesting. The Broncos, what are they doing? They send their best linebacker. Bradley Chubb to Miami. Insane. I don't understand. And this is the most active that we've seen on an NFL trade deadline. Usually, it's like silence is golden. Baseball, you have trade deadlines. NBA trade deadline. But NFL, usually nothing. Calvin Ridley leaves the Falcons, goes to the Jaguars. That's big if he can stay healthy. Chase Edmonds, running back of the Dolphins, goes to the Broncos. Jeff Wilson, the running back from the 49ers, goes to Miami. That's weird, huh? Him and Raheem Moster, both former Niners with the Dolphins. Uh, Naeem Hines, nice running back, third down back mostly, went to NC State with the Colts. He's going to the Bills. Bills look for a little backup help there. Zach Moss goes from the Bills to the Colts in, in that trade. So they just traded running backs. The Jets and... Uh, D lineman Jacob Martin, no relation to the Broncos, and the Chiefs send Rashad Fenton, their cornerback, to the Falcons, and the Falcons send safety Dean Marlowe to Buffalo. So those are your NFL trades uh, to speak of. And the Commanders send cornerback William Jackson the third to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there it is. You're up to date with all that. All right, I want to thank Bob Nightingale from the USA Today. Join us live from Philadelphia. Appreciate him. Also, I want to thank Chris Bazio as we talk a little baseball from the pitching perspective with the former pitcher, the no-no man, Chris Bazio, and, of course, the former pitching coach of the Chicago Cubs World Series ring for him in 2016. Uh, so, again, thanks to him. And, of course, the wild and crazy Heidi Fang in the 2 o'clock hour today. All of those interviews will be up part of the website part of today's show so go check that up under the podcast section and under the interview section go check out the 
current interview page, the classic interview page, some great stuff there. And then on the homepage, our interview with Mattress Mac, our conversation, as I like to say, with Mattress Mac uh, from last week is up there as well. Mattress Mac trying to collect $75 million if the Astros win the World Series. All right, we'll back out again tomorrow. Trevor Match will join us. We'll talk more handicapping, look ahead to the NFL week number eight. And then, of course, as you know, we've got World Series to talk about. We'll cover that from all angles as well, too. All right, for Numchuck TC saying so long. Have yourself a good day. Again, miss any part of any of the shows or any of the content. Go check it all out there for you at tcmartinshow.com.